new job, I don't get to listen to music all that much at work anymore. That was like one great thing about having a job that didn't fucking matter. Oh, oh yeah. No, I got to listen to so much music and so many podcasts. Yeah. And, and I'm so behind on everything now. Oh, yeah. That's like what sucks about having like an actual real job <laughs> is you have to actually really work. Yeah, I hate it. I, I mean, fucking hate it. <laughs> I like doing something that challenges me, but also... But also I want to sit and do like monotonous tasks and just listen to my shit and zone out. Yeah. I kind of really yeah. just want a job that will do that, but also pay me a lot of money to do it. Yeah, that was also <laughs> the big problem too. We were We were never going to make more money. No, no, we, we weren't. We were never going to make a living wage <laughs> on those jobs. And also, they will be replaced by robots in, like, the next five years. I hope so, because I don't want that job anymore. I know. We, we're never going back. Never going back. Not. Mm-mm. Not at all. But uh, welcome back to all of our fans to Rock Candy. Yeah, but we are back here. Yes, we're back here, like we are, every week. We're coming back. <laughs> we're back here every week. But yes, Welcome to Rock Candy, your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats full of music stories and happiness. <laughs> yeah. There you cheer. go. Oh, that was great. I'm really trying. I'm <laughs> really coming back. I'm really coming back. It's been a fucking week for both of us, so yeah. we're a little off. I'm still jet lagged. Yeah. I'm Maggie. And I'm Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. We're so good at this. Yeah. I'm going to be jet lagged for like a fucking week. Because that's what always happens to me when I come back from another country. I which have... you wouldn't have known because I still got the episode out last week. I've never been jet lagged. Oh my God. Surprisingly. Ugh. Yeah. It's the worst. But I mean, most of the times when I've traveled far was when i was young i was still in high school oh my god when, when i was, was young. just a young pup <laughs> i was just a babe now i'm just older don't know what to do with it yeah back yeah. when i didn't drink and went to germany like, that was a well, mistake that was a mistake i mean i still drank when i was there but i was like i don't like beer oh well also a mistake also a mistake but little did i know yeah in just a few short years yeah i'd be an alcoholic and you would love Yay. beer. And, and you would yeah, have things. a podcast that you s- don't center around it, but it's definitely in the atmosphere. Um, half centers or starts with beer, at least. Yeah, it does. I mean, we've been drinking away on a beer for tonight's current topic. Yeah, we've. I've already had at least a whole, whole bottle. Oh, I guess I have too. Huh. Huh. Those go quick. And I had a fucking Arctic summer. Which is, those are so gross. They're not great. No. But also I'm here for the four local, four local seltzers. Oh. Maybe we'll talk about that on the Patreon bonus. Oh, oh, so gross. But also 14%. How do you even do that? Do you want to die? Do. (laughs) Welcome to to four local, baby. You're going to die. (laughs) I thought we fixed that. I thought we stopped the four local thing back in like 2010. New York did. I don't know about anybody else. Damn. But you can still get it. You can hop, skip, and jump over to Massachusetts and probably still get it. I bet you can. Wow. Yuck. But anyway, what we're drinking is way fucking better than Four Loco. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Tonight we are drinking from Keegan Ales, also known as Kegels. Because you could definitely take some letters out and it's Kegels. It's Kegels. It's Kegels. Uh, Hurricane Kitty. Meow. Bounce kitty. Meow, meow. 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 Mm. Mm. Because 
we are talking about the one of the only Grace Jones. Fuck yes. Because her most recent album was Second called... Second to most recent. Oh, no, most yes, recent. you're right, you're right, you're right. It's called Hurricane. Yes. And I would say her voice is very cat-like. Yeah, she's got that, like, she's mysterious got that cat-like. Yes. Not, not so much Eartha Kitt, no. but, like, no. distinctly her own. And it is fantastic. Yes, it's sensual. Sensual. Like cats. Cats are sent cat eh, cats no. eh. <laughs> We're not cat people. <laughs> I love cats. Cats are fine. I do love cats. You don't like cats as much as I like cats. I like but... orange cats. Oh, fat cats? I love fat orange cats. Garfield. They hate Mondays and <laughs> love, love lasagna. lasagna. Yes. But what about Heathcliff? He's also a fat orange cat. He is. I assume he doesn't care for Mondays either. I don't remember much about Heathcliff, but I kind of feel like... I kind of remember the theme song, and I don't remember the words. I would just go, Heathcliff, Heathcliff, he's a cat. Heathcliff, Heathcliff, how about that? <laughs> Laziest lyrics ever. <laughs> Jesus aren't, Christ. Those aren't the real ones. Those are mine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then, good job. Yay, me! <laughs> I am no Grace but Jones <laughs> with lyrics, mind you. This this is not about fat orange cats. This, this is, is about Grace Jones, who is the complete opposite of a fat orange cat. <laughs> Grace Jones, the complete opposite of a fat, fat orange, orange cat. cat. That's probably going to be the name of the episode. Yes, it should be. Oh, my God. Seriously, though. <laughs> but speaking of, let's talk about her. Not fat orange cats. Fine. 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 But before I do that, I should mention my sources. Yo. Mention my sources. Let me see them receipts, girl. My receipts include, I'll never write my memoirs by Grace Jones. Wait. I have questions. Yeah. (laughs) She's just being cheeky. She is. I like it. Because she has a song and one of the lyrics in her songs is, I'll never write my memoirs. Mm. And then she wrote her memoirs. So I like it. Yeah. Did she write it though, or is she making us think that she wrote it? It was a collaboration between her and Paul Morley. So Paul did the writing. So she didn't actually have to write. I think she did a lot of the writing because Probably. she she is a good writer. Oh, well, yeah, and true, true. reading it, you can tell that it's her voice that nice. is very much being represented. It's it's her voice. It's her perspective. He might be doing a lot of the, okay, but this sentence should go here and blah, blah, Grammar blah. and shit. But she definitely had a big hand in it. You can tell. Um, and also the documentary Bloodlight and Bami, Ooh. which it's on Hulu. You can watch it for free. Highly recommended. It is so good. It doesn't really tell you a whole lot about her history or her life, but it gives you... A glimpse into what it was like for her when she was recording her album Hurricane. Okay. And her life in Jamaica, which is where she's from. Interesting. And also gives you a lot of performances. Holy fucking shit, she is an amazing performer. Nice. So captivating, I can't even tell you. Well, I mean, just based on her music alone, I feel like... Just like listening to her, she seems to me to be someone who comes out and has a presence. Yeah, and most of her 
um stage shows were at gay clubs yeah in the 70s and 80s and it's just a fucking party and it's a show and it's flashy and it's fun and it's it's just so good i'm gonna be honest Mm -hmm. i don't really know anything about grace jones i don't think a lot of people do i thought she was dead Oh, <laughs> I'm really excited to know she's not. She is not. She is alive and well, and damn, she looks good. No, yeah, like, sincerely. She's, like, Girl. pushing 70. You wouldn't well, no. even know. No, she's even. not. Yeah, she she's is. A, she's, she's a witch. Or she's, like, Gandalf and just stays the same age forever. If she's Gandalf, holy fuck, best Lord of the Rings rendition ever. Hold on. Let's recast Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Grace Jones is 100% Gandalf. Who is Latrice Royale, though? Who? who? Oh, my God. Who would Latrice Maybe Gimli? (laughs) Maybe. But just because, like, she has that fun sense of humor. Yeah. Like, she's kind of got that dwarf sense of humor about her. Like, she's really prideful and, like, she's proud of herself and shit. But also, she can have fun. But also, Legolas would be RuPaul. Oh. Oh, yeah. No. What's his face? The elf king guy. <laughs> what? Fucking, I can't remember his name. <laughs> Elrond? Elrond. Oh, that would be RuPaul good. RuPaul is 100% Elrond. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that. I like oh my that. God. I really like recasting uh, Lord of the Rings with like gay icons. And like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but I want Divine to be Saruman. No, you know what? Here for it. Yeah. I see it. Slightly evil. Slightly evil. But highly entertaining. Like, chaotic almost like a chaotic evil like you kind of just want to watch the world burn yeah you want that power but also like i'm here for fun i can picture her at the top of um what is it orthanc Mm. and demanding orders to orcs to tear down the trees of isengard freddie mercury would be legolas yeah you're welcome but who's david bowie Maybe David Bowie. David Bowie's an owl. David David Bowie's a fucking... Oh, my God. Galadriel. Galadriel. (laughs) Just going to say the same fucking thing. David Bowie's Galadriel. (laughs) Yes. I was like, elf, 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 elf. Galadriel. Galadriel. (laughs) Yeah. Here for it. Here for it. Oh, my God. So about this. I really want this to happen, even though half of these people are dead. (laughs) We can still do some kind of animation thing. Yeah. Can someone make that happen? That'd be great. They have holograms. Just yeah. do the hologram thing. Yeah. That's fine. I need this. But let's put that aside. I'm sorry. Let's put yes. that aside for a second. Grace Jones, still Gandalf. <laughs> Grace Jones is still Gandalf. Here for it. But anyway, aside from Gandalf, yes. Grace Jones is a fucking alien. Uh, yeah. This isn't the first time it's been claimed she is one. With her impossibly long frame, mm-hmm. impeccably high cheekbones, androgynous looks, and penchant for flamboyant, otherworldly costumes... It's no wonder people were in awe of her and still are. Whatever planet she's from, I want to go to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I already told you, I'm done with this place. Let's yep, go. I'm done with it. I don't want to live on this go. planet anymore. I'm done. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Beam me up, Grace Jones. <laughs> in reality, Grace was born in Jamaica sometime in the 1950s. She says she doesn't know exactly when she was born. Huh. Wikipedia says May 19th, 1948, <laughs> but most other sources say 1952. I'm going with 1952. Okay. That makes the most sense to me. She grew up in Spanish town in the southern part of Jamaica, 13 miles from the city of Kingston. Her family was very strict and very religious, and birth control was out of the question. Yeah. 
So Grace had a lot of brothers and sisters. Oh, my God. By the time her mother, Marjorie Williams, was in her early 20s, she had seven children. Seven. That, but early 20s. Early 20s. Too many kids. Too many kids. Too many kids. But seriously, too many kids. She was a fertile lady. I guess so. They were just walking out by kid eight. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, I'm here. Uh, I guess I have to leave this apartment, but okay. Important side note to you and me, at least. Grace's full name is Grace Beverly Jones. Okay. The custom in Grace's family is to be called by your middle name. So she was known as Beverly or Bev. Yeah. Her older brother, Norman, was also called by his middle name, spelled N-O-E-L. And guess what? It's pronounced Noel. Noel! Yes! <laughs> Fuck you, everybody who says Noel. It's Noel. It's Noel. God damn it. Thank you, Jones family, for fucking standing by me. Validating your existence. Validating my goddamn existence. Thank you. Here for it. Grace and her siblings, who comprised of Chris, Noel, Max, Pam, Marie, and Randy... Had Randy, Randy <laughs> had very rough childhoods, raised by an extremely pious family. Yeah, Marjorie's family started the first Pentecostal church in Jamaica, which, uh, which was ruled by Grace's great uncle, the self-appointed bishop of the church. He was fanatically religious. Can and was, you self-appoint yourself as a bishop in Jamaica? You can, because. Damn. Jamaica has so many churches and so many different religions, and there is no real, like, overarching... There's no Vatican to oversee all of this. So, in this time, like, churches were popping up all fucking over the place by random people who just wanted to do their... Who were super fucking religious, but just wanted to do their own thing. So, they would start a church, appoint themselves bishop, and just rule over everybody. Okay. Those are things I guess you can do. In Jamaica in the 50s? Yeah, you can fucking do that shit. All right. Do whatever the fuck you want. Okay. So this self-appointed bishop was fanatically religious and was so charismatic that everyone around him felt as fanatic as he was. Mm. Grace's father's side of the family wasn't religious, but rather militaristic and agrarian. So when Grace's father, Robert, changed his religion to marry Marjorie whom he pursued because of a bet he made with his friends. Gross. And then ended up marrying her. Gross. And then he became wrapped up in the church as a clergyman. His father was pretty upset about it. Hmm. I mean, okay. Around when Grace was five years old, her mom and dad left Jamaica to find a new home in the United States, eventually settling in Salina, New York, a suburb of Syracuse. Oh. Yeah. Locals. We know that area. Hmm. They left their six children, because Randy was born later in the U.S. after they moved. Oh, okay. They left their six children in Jamaica with Marjorie's mother and her second husband, a tyrannical man named Pert, or as they called him, Mass P. Pert Hadley? (laughs) Did he have a news show? Holy shit, if only she was raised by Pert Hadley. (laughs) If only. This would be a completely different story. But no, Mass P was a fucking horrible person horrible horrible person and i should note that his name was mass p 
Mass is short for master. Oh. Which was, it was, so mass was basically master or massa, which was the term that slaves had to use to mm-hmm. address their, their white owners. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, even after the slave owners left Jamaica, they s- still used that term to address somebody older and of an authoritative role. So anybody who was older than them, their guardian or something like that was mass. That seems problematic. It is, but at the same time, it was kind of them taking back the term. Oh, okay. So that's that was just how they addressed people of authority. Okay. All right. I guess. That, that checks. But this decision to leave their children behind would have a lasting and devastating effect on them. Mass P was violent, abusive, and devoutly religious. He used fear and intimidation to raise Grace and her siblings, and Grace even said that he was a sadist. Ugh. Not a good fucking situation no. for anybody. No, how, how, how did he know the family? He was Grace's step-grandfather. Oh. So he was her grandmother's second husband. Okay. Who was about 20 years younger or half the age of her grandmother. Oh, get it, girl. I mean, this guy's an asshole, but also get it, girl. Right? Um, So he he was young when he was kind of saddled with these six kids that he didn't really know what to do with. Okay. And he didn't have any kids of his own. He didn't want them. It's probably half the reason why he married somebody who couldn't have kids anymore. Yeah. So he just ruled them with an iron fist and a leather belt, basically. Great. Super. Yeah, great. His beatings were as daily as the mandatory Bible readings, and absolutely no entertainment was allowed. No TV, no radio, no books, no playing, nothing. You couldn't even talk unless you were spoken to. Oh, God. Doing any of these things would get you a beating. Even the anticipation of you doing something wrong would get you a beating. Jesus. Thought yeah. crime? Come thought, on. Thought crime. What is this? Fucking. What's it's that not movie? even word crimes. It's thought crimes. What's that? What's that movie with Tom Cruise? Minority Report. <laughs> it's thought crimes. Oh, yeah. If you were even thinking about committing a murder, you'd get arrested. Yeah. I mean, I guess at least it wasn't Tom Cruise. <laughs> It was Mass P, but it wasn't Tom Cruise. It was not Tom Cruise. They weren't raised in Scientology, at least. At least there's that. But they were raised Pentecostal, so... Which, I mean, six one, half dozen on the other. Yeah. Come for me. (laughs) Meanwhile, Grace's parents were having a rough time of it, creating their new life in the U.S. Robert thought the U.S. needed skilled laborers to help with farm management, because... Remember, this is right after World War II, so the U.S. was like, farmers, we need farmers, we need to do agriculture right now, so here's some really fucking cheap land, come and take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We need (laughs) farmers. (laughs) Yeah. But what they really wanted were people to dig holes and plant crops. Cool. What he was thinking was he could go over to the U.S., find an established farm, and manage it. Hmm. But really, it was just barren land. And the U.S. was like, here it is. Super cheap. Go fucking plant shit on it. Also, you know what I'm going to say isn't really farmland? Syracuse. I mean, central New York, I suppose, can be fertile land. But it's good for 
vineyards? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Robert became distraught and was so disappointed in himself that he couldn't really do much with the land he has that he tried to commit suicide. Oh, no. But conveniently had a Jesus vision that turned his life around. Oh, yay? So instead of agriculture, he started the Apostolic Church of Jesus Christ in Syracuse, crowned himself bishop, and then sent for his children to live with the rest of the family there. Okay. Sure. Choices? Yeah. Sure. But, but finally, Grace was out of the abusive hellhole. Good. Left the old Bev behind and truly became Grace while she yeah. was in Syracuse. The Jones children enrolled in Central High School where she excelled. She even graduated early at 15 years old in 1967. Shit. Yeah. That is the early. educational system in Jamaica is apparently very rigorous and oh. very ahead of That's what we do. That's just rigorous. Her shit is rigorous. I believe it. I 100% believe that. <laughs> if you were going to walk up to me and say, yo, Grace Jones's shit is rigorous, I'd be like, oh, she is the very definition of your shit's rigorous. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. But she went on to study Spanish at Onondaga Community College after high school. Okay. It was these teenage years in Syracuse that young Grace started acting out. Still dominated by a Jesus-loving family, teenage Grace just couldn't connect to that anymore. She rebelled against her parents, dressing in crazy clothes and wearing makeup, drinking, and going to gay clubs. Good for you, girl. Of course, her parents didn't like it, but this wasn't the abusive dictatorship of Mass P. They didn't punish her harshly for expressing herself. Okay, that's good. That's good. I mean, it was still problematic, but they didn't disown her. Right. They were like, we don't like what you're doing, but we're not going to kick you out of the house or anything. Good. Okay. Yeah. And especially at a time like that, could have been way worse. It definitely could have been. Okay. She was only at Onondaga Community College for a year, but while there, she developed a crush on a drama professor named Tom Figenshu, oh. which encouraged her to enroll in his class. He seemed impressed by her and suggested she join a summer stock tour in Philadelphia, and she did. But she didn't come back. Good for her. Philly's a great city. Yeah. And this was Philadelphia in the late 60s, and it was a pretty amazing place to be. She found work as a go-go dancer, but billed herself under the name Grace Mendoza so her parents wouldn't find out. Smart. Yeah. She lived... I mean, this is like the 60s. There wasn't even internet back then. Like, they probably But they could find out. Could they? Yeah, they could find out. Shit. All right. The she was that good of a fucking go-go dancer. Yeah. She lived on hippie communes and experimented with LSD and psychedelics. Like you do. Which she attributes to being an integral part of her emotional growth. Oh, good. She and Professor Tom became pretty steadfast friends, and he encouraged her to audition for small acting and modeling gigs. And when she was 18, she followed him to New York City. But while Tom was kind of swallowed up by the big city, Grace flourished. Oh. She took her first and only professional acting class while she was in New York City. She studied with Warren Robertson, a renowned acting teacher in the 70s who had a reputation for his unconventional ways of getting students in tune with their emotions. Is he in a method acting? He was like that stereoty that stereotypical acting coach that like holds a gun to your head to make you produce the emotion of fear no nope. like there is a rumor that he actually held a loaded gun to a dude's crotch to make him feel fear Ooh. it's like i don't think i would want to study with this guy no 
Oh my god, that's awful. I'm like, no, no, not worth it. No. Not worth it. It took some time, but Warren Robertson was able to get Grace, the shy girl in the back of the class, to come out of her shell. But he unleashed a pretty volatile person. Everything Grace acted out was aggressive and violent, much like Mass P, an intense, fixed stare, stare with an air of dominance. It wasn't the aura she needed to be an actress, but it was definitely one she would eventually harness for her musical career. Go for her. That anger's got to come from somewhere. She's got a lot of it. I don't she blame her. She has plenty of inspiration. Yeah. In 1970, she landed a contract with the coveted Wilhelmina Modeling Agency in New York City, mm. and her modeling career took off. Are you... What? Are you, are you RuPauling this right now? What? Why? What? Because that's what she says in Supermodel. And her modeling career took off. Oh, really? Yeah. Ha! Didn't even know that. And then I'm like, well, I mean, a model. So that's, I think they worked with them in the America's Top Model as well. Oh, Why yes, do they I do. know so much about modeling? Because we watch a lot of America's Top Model. Oh, up, in, up to a certain point. I think it was like season 10. Up until the first quote unquote plus size oh, model yeah. one. Then oh, I was yeah. like, She's done. a size 8. Yeah. She wasn't even. She was like a size six. I'm like, whatever. Done. She looks great, but she's not plus size. I no. fucking hate the fashion industry. Fuck off. Fuck off, fashion industry. Fuck off, fashion. Anyway, <laughs> she immediately moved to Paris, where she shared an apartment with fellow Wilhelmina models, Jerry Hall and Jessica Lang. Oh, can you that. imagine that? That is like the best sleepover ever. Oh, my God. To be a fly. On the wall of that sleepover. It. I would love it. First of all, they all definitely made out. They had pillow fights in their underwear. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That happened. That is where that trope came about, was because yeah. of these three. Yeah, and I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I would like to see that. Yeah. Um, she and Jerry Hall became particularly good friends, frequenting the gay club Le Sept, where they socialized with even bigger names in the fashion industry, like Giorgio Armani and Karl Lagerfeld. Jesus. And she didn't, like, even really have much to her name at this right. point. She was hanging out with Carl fucking Lagerfeld. But I can imagine just her her look alone Oh, was so striking and dominant yes. that everyone's like, I'm gonna fuck, I'm hanging out with this girl. Yep. Yep. All right. Go for you. Grace landed modeling job after modeling job where folks fell her for her androgynous beauty, her fierce glare, and her exotic looks. Ugh. She found herself modeling for big houses like Yves Saint Laurent and Azadine Alaya, making a name for herself with bold performances during runway shows. This was when a seed was planted in her mind. She liked performing. She liked the attention. So maybe she could do more than just modeling. Right. I mean, she's amazing and beautiful to look at. I mean, God, I fucking love the androgynous look. And if I was like stick thin like that yeah god i would be androgynous all the fucking time yeah but like, if i had the angular face structure to carry off a super short haircut mm, yeah i would yeah i mean i've done it for years it's great it's like if you take pictures of me from shoulder up you're like oh she can pull off androgyny but then it's like <laughs> yeah it's like, oh, she's a lady. She's a lady. She's got the mammaries. But seriously, she's a fucking lady. There's <laughs> no mistake in it. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, she got boobies. <laughs> <laughs> but 
seriously, like, oh, like, ah, oh, Grace Jones just has that look. And she could have just modeled for the rest of her fucking life. Oh, yeah. And she could have been one of, like, the premier, one of the first supermodels. Oh, yeah. Easily. But you know what? She had bigger things on her mind. Well, for you, girl, get it. The logical next step was a career in music. But to Grace, that was kind of intimidating. Right. She grew up being taught that music was only for God, not something secular. Hmm. She also thought she couldn't sing. The goal was always to sound like Aretha Franklin, but Grace didn't sound like her. Mm -mm. Eventually, she found her voice was deep and rich and powerful. Didn't sound like Aretha, but sounded just as awesome. Mm -hmm. The music industry wasn't ready for her, and the first few singles she released in 1975 and 76 barely raised an eyebrow. How did she even end up, like recording stuff where she's like i'm just gonna do this i i assume she just knew somebody probably because she had enough connections yeah she did and she was really big into the studio 54 disco scene oh yeah so she made connections left and right and people were just attracted to her because she was just so fucking striking that people wanted to be around her well and wasn't that kind of a whole big thing with the studio 54 scene was it was also kind of a big art collective yeah and, and you, they all probably helped each other out with like hey i have this art project hey i have this music project right and you had a lot of people like donna summer mm-hmm. and people like that that were hanging out at studio 54 too so connections were made all over the fucking place right she could just like make a phone call and be like hey i want to make an album and somebody's like all right i know somebody that can, i know like 18 people that can do that who nice. do you want to work with you know that's awesome those were the days <laughs> before the internet. Yeah, seriously. You actually had to go out and talk to people. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> you had to impress them in person. Ugh. Ugh. But someone at Island Records saw something in her and signed her to a record contract. The singles she previously released, along with a few other songs, ended up on her 1977 debut record, Portfolio, which was produced by legendary disco producer Tom Moulton. Mm. The first side of the album was a medley of Broadway songs reinterpreted as disco tunes. I love that (laughs) shit. (laughs) Fucking disco. I I love like that era in music where they just discoized everything. Mm -hmm. We have this record in my family that's like the Disco Noel. And it's just Christmas songs disco-wise. <laughs> oh my god, I wouldn't listen to that. Shout out to my sister who got royal hammered one Thanksgiving oh. and was like, take these records. And she gave me like a Loverboy record. Oh my god. And a Willie Nelson record. And then Disco Noel. She's like, take these. It, that covers everything. It really does though. My sister's my sister knows what's up. Like credit where credit's due. That's amazing. It's so good. So, uh, and like, and one of the songs in the three song medley was Tomorrow from Annie. Stop, stop, stop. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, And I'm here for it. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) And the second side included a cover of Edith Piaf's Livion Rose. Oh, shit. The idea of an album comprised mostly of covers became a tradition throughout most of Grace's musical career. But that's not to say Grace didn't write any of her songs. Mm. She co-wrote I Need a Man, which was her first hit and was huge in the gay club scene. If you listen to this song, you'd probably recognize it. But, like, she need a man. Not yeah. like, I need a man. She's like, I need a man. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I feel you, Grace. Grace, I feel you. Feel you. I feel that feel. 
She quickly followed up Portfolio with the album Fame in 1978. Again, Side A was a three-song medley, which became a top 10 hit in the U.S. But despite the fact that she was getting hits on Billboard club charts, she was still flying under the radar. Didn't matter to the club kids who loved her shtick. She began performing highly sexualized shows at clubs, and audiences loved her so much that she became known as the queen of the gay discos. But her next album, Muse, released in 1979, would be her last produced by Tom Moulton and the last to have that disco flavor. Anti-disco sentiment was already alive and well, so Grace made the smart decision to transition from disco to new wave with her next record, 1980's Warm Leatherette. Oh, shit. Which is like the gayest and most amazing, like, album name I could possibly think of. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like somebody's fucking leather pants. Yes. Left on a seat. And the song is just, the chorus is just her going, warm leatherettes it's so good <laughs> that's so gay it's so gay i love the it the best way ever i it's love like it it's like all i can think of is like bear night at the gay club oh yes it's great bear night is best night bear night best night <laughs> again warm leatherette was comprised mostly of covers but they chose mostly rock songs instead of broadway musicals or french standards she even did a cover of Joy Division's She's Lost Control, what? which was released as a B-side. What? Yeah. I've never heard this. Yeah. And I I didn't either. And this. I'm like, what? So Tom Petty, The Pretenders, and Roxy Music, and a bunch of others all got the Grace Jones treatment for this record. She did a cover of Breakdown by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He even wrote a special third verse specifically for her cover. Oh, my God. It's so good. Tom Petty's a fucking gentleman. He's a great guy. I fucking miss him. Me too. The album also introduced people to the new Grace Jones. Shot by then-boyfriend Jean-Paul Gaud, the photo photo on the cover shows Grace, who is pregnant with her, her and Jean-Paul's son Paolo at the time, staring straight into the camera, stern-faced and intimidating with her trademark flat-top haircut and over-exaggerated eye makeup, a truly iconic trademark. Yeah. Now let's have a discussion about Jean-Paul Gaud. Oh. Who is problematic at best if you're looking at him through a modern eye. Okay. Let's say. Okay. So this is the 70s at this point. Or is this? The, are we getting into the 80s at this point? Late 70s, early 80s. Okay, yeah, because it's like new wave, disco's dying, and it's hard to tell, like, probably like 79, Yeah, this is like, this is 79, 80. Jean-Paul Gaud was a very well-known photographer. He is the guy who photographed Kim Kardashian balancing a glass on her butt while champagne shot over her head into the glass. The break the internet video, or photo. Like, that didn't actually happen, though. (laughs) Right? Like, that's photoshopped. It's... Okay, hold like, on. You can't get the champagne into the glass like Oh, that. no. Her butt was not big enough to balance a champagne glass on it, period. And you can't do that arching thing. No. So, wait a minute. Why did everybody freak out if it was a Photoshop photo? Because people thought it was real. It looked real, but everyone was like, that's impossible. How is Kim Kardashian's butt that big? It's not. It's Well, not. also, it, it is, but it's fake. Yeah. First of all, guys, a plastic surgery... <laughs> It's real, and it's fine if you want to do it, but, like, also, don't believe that shit's real then. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't real. 
But he also created the original photograph that King Kardashian's was a remake of. Hmm. So he covered his own photo. Which I guess, all right, that's interesting. Interesting take on your own life. Yeah. He's always been notorious for his photos depicting women of color in highly sexualized ways. Okay. He is a very white guy. Okay. Should be noted. <laughs> he even has a coffee table book with photos of mostly naked men and women of color, depicting them in ways that a lot of people would say was racist. It should be stated, however, that his subjects have never claimed his work was was exploitative. Okay. But looking back at it, looking back at the videos he directed for Grace Jones, um, looking back at his his coffee table photography book and a lot of his artwork, to a modern eye, it is very racist. He uses a lot of blackface, but he also wait, yeah, he you uses can't do that. He uses a lot of blackface. He he depicts. Men and women of color in a very exploitative way. It's mm. it's usually them naked in some sort of, you know, the the exotic savage kind of trope. Right. It's not just being like, hi, here's a naked person. It's like, here's like it's a not, naked savage kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's not a celebration of the body or anything. It's this is a black savage person and look at their Africanness and, mm. you know, they're also naked. So objectify them, you know, yeah. that's, that's what I would get if I looked at it today. That's exactly what I did feel when I looked at it today. Oh, okay. Um, I, he's never really taken the opportunity to explain himself. So I don't know if this was his intention or if there was a completely different intention. Well, and has anyone ever called him out on any too? I'm yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could just be one of those things too where it was times where it passed. We know better now. Yeah, but at the same time it's like I think he just didn't never commented on it, so nobody ever questioned him. Yeah. You know, he never said if he never said anything racist. He never said anything that was like, Yeah, I really wanted to bring out the savage African quality of this person in my in my work. Well so And I think there's a difference too between like someone who's like fucking racist and somebody who's like just, Who doesn't understand. Yeah. And there's like it sounds more like just like you know, he just didn't understand. Yeah. I think, and I think that that wasn't even a thing that we thought of back then. Yeah, I think he had the there was like that exotic, that racial fetishization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he had that for black women, okay, and black men to a certain extent, and just thought it was normal, right? Just thought it was okay. So this is what he did, and that's probably. I think part of the reason why he was with Grace, because she does have this, she has very dark skin and she has this like angular bone structure and has this quality of aggressiveness that people associated back then with the African savage. Right. Well, on top of that, she is captivating. Yes. She is 100%, period. On top of all of that too, it's like add on to the fact that she's, charismatic and insanely captivating right so right either way grace and john paul were together for a while having met at disco clubs around new york city in the late 70s nice. at first he wasn't that impressed with her but then he saw her perform 
From then on, he's had a hand in many aspects of her career. The stage show, choreography, her image and branding, and everything. Mm. They led a decadent lifestyle filled with drugs in Studio 54 and dancing. Should, side note, Grace has never had a drug problem or an alcohol problem. Go for you, Grace. She did that shit back in the day. She still drinks. Not, never had any, like, shit with that. She just had fun. She just had fun. Turns out you can do drugs and drink for fun and not have a problem. Yeah. Some people it can, can do happen. that. <laughs> but after Grace got pregnant, the romantic relationship ended. Mm. I think up until that point, Goud had Grace on an artistic pedestal. Like, she was his muse that he became entangled with romantically. Yeah. And when shit got real, i.e. a kid, he peaced out. Yeah. Sounds about right. But they continued to stay close friends and collaborators even to today. So now Grace was making a name for herself and she was in demand. She made the rounds on TV shows and her most memorable TV appearance at this time was on Russell Hardy, a live British talk show a la Johnny Carson, I guess. You know, you ever see clips of like old British talk shows where it's just like, Three random celebrities sitting next to the talk show host and they're all just kind of like talking. It was kind of like that. Okay. But after interviewing her, Russell Hardy turned his back on her. Whoa. To speak to his other guest who happened to be an old white guy. I don't even know who it was, but it was some old like stuffy white guy. Grace understandably got fucking annoyed. Yeah. (laughs) So she started annoying him. Poking him, interrupting him, demanding he speak to her as well. Good for you, Grace. When he continued to reprimand and ignore her, she hauled off and started slapping him (gasps) on live TV. What? It was hilarious. Oh, my God. After that, she got a reputation for being a diva. Her commanding presence, aggressive attitude, and her demands for perfection when recording bolstered this perception of divaness. But Grace didn't mind. Any publicity was good publicity. That's fair. I mean, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Girl knows what's up. Yeah. Now with some notoriety to her name, she went back into the studio to record 1981's Night Clubbing. The name comes from the David Bowie and Iggy Pop song of the same name that's covered on the album. But it was the original song, Pull Up to the Bumper, that became the hit. Yeah. But of course, with its highly sexualized lyrics that a lot of people thought described anal sex. Oh, no. Some radio stations refused to play it. She doesn't talk about butts in that once. No, but she talks about sliding in between and all that shit. Yeah, in the lanes. Yeah, in the lanes. You gotta be in the lane. The record features another iconic photo of Grace at peak androgyny. Flat top fade, suit jacket with exaggerated shoulders, another trademark, Mm -hmm. and that intense masculine stare. Her next album, Living My Life, was released in 1982. She was pumping out records like every fucking year damn along with night clubbing and warm leatherette became known as the compass point studios albums because that's where they were all recorded there you go it'll do that Uh, that's what happens unlike her previous albums living my life only had one cover song and the rest were originals again it was a popular album that did well on the dance charts and solidified grace's name in the pop music world But it was time for a change of pace. After conquering modeling and music, Grace wanted to pursue her first love and venture into film. Oh. It wasn't the first time she tried to get into the movie business. Ten years earlier, she tried to audition for the 1973 blaxploitation film Gordon's War. 
The producer invited her to his house to look over her portfolio, but after he showed up in a bathrobe, popped a bottle of champagne, and tried to kiss her in his bedroom, Grace threw a glass of champagne in his face and walked out instead. Yes. Good for her. Yes, girl. But also, it sucks that you couldn't fucking talk about this shit until recently. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's fun, isn't it? And she still didn't want to name the producer. Understandable. But, you know, good for you for getting out of there. Like, right. At least, like, at least being able to do that much. Yeah, exactly. In a time where you really didn't even feel like you could do that much. Yeah. But now, 10 years after that horrific experience, Grace got her break into the film industry opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan the Destroyer, the sequel to Conan the Barbarian, in which she played Zula, a warrior that is the last of her tribe. I never saw the sequel to Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> though I super enjoyed Conan the Barbarian as a kid. I never saw it, and I really need to see it. It's Well, at this point, I wouldn't say it holds up unless you enjoy laughter. Oh, no. I fully understand it's not going to be a great movie. Right. But, like, I fully understand what it is. Okay. And also, I watched a good portion of Red Sonia at... A bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's Red so Sonya. entertaining. Fuck. So I'm here for Conan the Barbarian. I just right. need to get on it and uh, watch it. But side note, Zula is male in the Conan comic books. Oh. So the gender flip-flop is kind of awesome, even if the movie was apparently pretty silly, especially compared to the first. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Because, like, the first. I mean, what is good in life? <laughs> Conan? The Lamentations mm-hmm. of the Women. Oh, okay. I don't know that. It's, it's yeah. We'll, we'll watch it. Yeah, I need to watch it for real. Yeah. But also, I need to take a break because we need more beer. I do. I'm I'm running on empty. I'm running on empty. Thank you. <laughs> Let's fucking get some beers. We'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> so Grace was, she got cast as Zula. Yes. In Conan the Destroyer. Yes. It was a pretty silly movie. But oh, yeah. critics praised Grace's performance, which helped her land a role in the James Bond movie A View to Kill. In it, she plays Mayday, henchwoman and personal assassin to Christopher Walken. So I've never seen a Bond movie. It's never really been my I, thing. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Like, just never at all nope. had any interest. Nope. Kind of interested right now. And he has bleach blonde hair, and it's it's like a bad bleach job. Oh, so, God. And, like, Christopher Walken and Grace Jones's characters are, like, he's the boss and she's the henchwoman and yeah, his yeah. personal assassin, but they're also, like, lovers. It's so weird. A couple that doesn't work. Exactly. Christopher Walken and Grace Jones. Indeed. Indeed. No. No. David Bowie was originally up for Christopher Walken's role, but oh, he turned so that it down. How awesome would that, that have been, fucking I, been? Oh my god. They would have had to do a sex scene. Oh. They'd have no fucking choice. Like, 30 minutes of the movie should have been their sex scene. Yeah. Oh, man. That would have been great. God, that would have been so good. Oh. This was also... Dolph Lundgren's first movie role. Oh my god. Albeit a small one as a KGB agent. 
He only got the part on account of Grace, whom he was dating at the time. Oh. See, little Dolph was a nerdy-ass academic about to skip off to MIT on a Fulbright scholarship Aww, to study chemical engineering because he a smarty pants. Smarty pants. <laughs> oh, look at you. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, What's my God. I'm just kidding. Like, that's actually really... That's, that's impressive. Like, I'm not even... I shouldn't even make fun of you. I did not expect that from Dolph Lundgren, but nerd. you know what? <laughs> nerd! <laughs> but you know what? Good for you. Good Sorry. for you for being a nerd. I'm stuck in the 80s. <laughs> but anyway, Grace yes. spotted him at a club and hired him as her bodyguard, and soon enough, they were getting busy. Go for them, though. Get it, girl. Seriously. One day, he was visiting Grace on the set of A View to Kill when the guy originally playing the KGB agent's part wasn't available, so Dolph stood in for him. A month later, he abandoned all his academic plans for his breakout role as Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. Damn. That's bananas. Yeah. Uh, two month, A month later. One month later. One month later. He was in fucking Rocky. You were going to be a fucking nerd engineer. Nerd engineer. <laughs> fucking... Now you're the fucking nerdy. You, you're like one of the most villainous villains that ever villain. <laughs> there you go. Step in the right direction. Thank you, my Grace friend. Jones. Thank you, Grace Jones. Because it's all about Grace. It is, though. Grace and Dolph were together for four years, and all of them turbulent and rife with rumors. Oh. Rumors always persisted of the couple's crazy sex life. Oh, but I don't know if those are rumors. I could see them boning. Crazy pants. Oh, yeah. Like orgies and multiple partners and all the time oh and God. forever and ever. I would just want to yeah. watch them have sex. I just want to watch it. Like I'd be too intimidated to try to get in that. I, I just, just want to like, study it. I would just be like, let me just watch. <laughs> I just like, you're too beautiful for me to get into that. I will ruin it. Yeah. But I'm just going to watch. But this is amazing and it's, it's somebody should be studying. This and is take, goddamn I'm going to take notes. Yeah. I'm why aren't we notes. taking notes? <laughs> This is sex that is most perfect. Yes, yes. But there were always rumors of that ridiculous shit. And there were volatile moments, too. Like the time she set his clothes on fire during a bad argument. Did she left I Lopez him? She... Before left I Lopez was a thing? She Grace Jones it. So really what it is, is Not, that Lisa left shoes. I Lopez, Grace Jones, what's his face? Yeah, that guy. Andre something? I don't remember what his name his is. His name doesn't matter. It doesn't. But that's amazing. Yeah. but Except she didn't set his shoes on fire in the tub. She just burned his pants to a crisp. Good for her. Good for you. Right in front of his very eyes. Yeah. Or when she showed up to his hotel with a gun attempting to kidnap him. Oh, don't do that. Because he wouldn't talk to her. That's a bit much. But that's what ended the relationship. <laughs> I Guns usually do. You know what? Love Grace Jones, respect Grace Jones, but don't you don't need a fucking gun. That's a bridge too far. Yes, that was a bridge too far. I can't, I can't cross over that bridge with you, Grace. Like you're gonna have to go by yourself. Yeah, and she has this whole explanation for why she showed up to his hotel with a gun, and people weren't letting her see him, and blah blah blah. Doesn't fucking matter. Mm. You don't need the gun. You don't need the gun. You don't. You have fists. You don't need a gun. Yeah, and you're Grace motherfucking Jones. And if he don't want to come out and see you, fuck him. Like, honestly. Sashay away, basically. Honestly, sashay away. Sashay away. Harder done than said, but seriously, 
You're Grace fucking Jones. Yeah. Fuck him. I, I understand it's Dolph Lundgren and he was really fucking hot back then, but like you can find somebody that's just as hot and awesome. But who's aged better? Grace Jones. Because yep. she still looks exactly the same. Uh, yup. Yeah. Yeah. A woman scorn gets revenge by aging well. Yes. Think about your exes and how good you look compared <laughs> to them now. Just saying. A lot of these moments happened while Grace was recording her next album, Slave to the Rhythm, mm. released in 1985. That's the terrifying cover, right? Uh, yes. Wait, mm. yes? With the face? Yes, I believe so. Okay, maybe not. Anyway. <laughs> no, I th- I'm pretty sure it actually was, yes. And go look it up on the Googles. All it's right. pretty terrifying, but also amazing. Um, it was actually a concept album featuring seven different interpretations of the same song. What? Yeah, it's all the same song, all the same lyrics, but very different genres for each song, huh. I guess. It's really a cool concept. Okay. It's really neat. Huh. It also features spoken word segments from actor Ian McShane. Of all people. Okay. I, I guess this makes sense. What is what is real life? I don't know. <laughs> um, and he was reading excerpts from Jean-Paul Gaud's unfortunately named biography, Jungle Fever. Ooh. Speaking of Jean-Paul Gaud, a photo he took of Grace featured on the cover of her next album, Island Life, and has been the subject of controversy since the album was released in 1985. Okay. It features Grace in a, quote, anatomically unlikely pose. Okay. Which was actually created by cutting and pasting multiple photos of Grace together to create the illusion that she was in that position. Oh, okay. So basically what she, she's basically in the airplane position. She's standing on one foot with the other leg, like, stretched out behind her. Mm. One arm is stretched out to meet her foot that's up in the air and the other is stretched out in front of her holding a microphone but the way she's positioned like you can't fucking do that okay because i was like this sounds doable it sounds doable but if you looked at it and tried to do it you can't do it all right that's fair it's not possible standing on one one leg and the way he did it was he propped her limbs up on clear boxes and oh. took multiple pictures of her, then clipped out these pictures and like copied and pasted her, bo- pasted her body together, That's and like clever. painted over it to make it all smooth. This is before Photoshop, people. You nice. couldn't just put slap it on a computer and blend it all together. That wasn't how you it had. Worked. You had to like paint it together. Damn. So she she's in a literally unattainable pose. It's That's some hodgepodge shit. Yeah. She looks great, though. She looks fucking fantastic. I have, no, I have no doubt. Yeah. She followed up Island Life with Inside Story, a record she produced by herself. Oh. Helping her was Niall Rogers of the disco band Chic, famous for their hit Les Freaks. Yeah. Les Freaks was actually indirectly kind of inspired by Grace Jones. Oh. Grace and Niall had met previously in the late 70s Studio 54 scene, and Grace invited him and his chic bandmate to one of her shows. However, she forgot to add them to the guest list. Oh, no. <laughs> After Whoops. being refused entry and kicked out of the club, Niall Rogers came up with the, with a lyric that went, 
Ah, fuck off. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Whenever I hear that fucking song now. Ah, uh, fuck, fuck off. off. Yeah, it's great. Lay chic. Say <laughs> freak. Or whatever the fuck Lay freak. Say chic. Ah, uh, fuck, fuck off. off. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Since that wouldn't fly on the radio, it eventually morphed into ah, uh, freak out. But now it all but makes so off. much fucking sense. So good. I'm going to have that in my head forever now. Oh, uh, fuck, fuck off. off. Oh my God, I love it. The collaboration resulted in heated confrontations between Grace and Niall. Oh, wow. But the single, I'm Not Perfect, But I'm Perfect for You, was another hit for Grace. Hmm. The music video is notable for its many cameos, including Andy Warhol, only months before he died. Yeah. The two had been very good friends since the 70s, and Grace was heavily involved in the factory art scene. And he was even her date to the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver wedding. It's amazing. Google the pictures to it. I'm Grace just looks amazing, first of all. picturing that this exists. It existed. It happened. It is real life. Wow. That's just a bizarre fever dream to most people. Yeah, but no, it actually happened. Just picture Andy, Andy Warhol later in life with a fabulous Grace Jones who is wearing a giant uh, green fur, like, Russian hat. Oh, my God. And a big fur coat and a long green dress. Oh, my God. She looked fucking amazing. I have no doubt. With the two of them together as each other's dates, it's fucking amazing. I love it. Once again, Grace took a break from music to focus on acting. She had a leading role in the movie Vamp, where she played a vampiric seduct- seductress. Yeah, I can see that. And also appeared in the cult classic Straight to Hell, which <laughs> seems like a fucking clusterfuck of a movie. Oh, Yeah. Because it also featured Joe Strummer, Courtney Love, oh, Dennis no. Hopper, oh, Elvis no. Costello, and the Pogues. It was directed by this guy named Alex Cox, who was like Quentin Tarantino Cox. before Quentin Tarantino was Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And who I'm pretty sure Quentin Tarantino tried to rip off. Okay. But this guy didn't do Quentin Tarantino as well as Quentin Tarantino did Quentin Tarantino. I feel like you need to say Quentin Tarantino one more time. Say Quentin Tarantino again. Quentin Tarantino. Thank you. You're welcome. She she was also in Siesta, for which she won a Razzie. Oh, good for her. Razzie's fun. Razzie's fun. Her last big role came in 1990 when she starred alongside Eddie Murphy in Boomerang. She played Helen Strange. Spelled strange, but pronounced Strange. Oh, okay. A role that was basically a crude and vulgar version of herself. Huh. It's a performance hailed by many as maybe not her best, but definitely the one she had the most fun with. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to do something because you're like, this is just fun. Yeah. Good for you. And it makes me a paycheck. And that's all I care about. I bring home some money. I had fun doing it. And like, she's got her music to fall back on. Mm Mm-hmm. And just before filming Boomerang, Grace recorded and released the album Bulletproof Heart. 
She wrote and produced it with her then boyfriend Chris Stanley and thought it and though it failed to chart anywhere, the song Killer Kiss became another big club hit in the US. Okay. But this would be the last time we get a full album from Grace for 19 years. Whoa. For nearly two decades, Grace only contributed random songs here and there to soundtracks and continued to act in made for for TV movies. She also got married to her boyfriend Attila Altonbey in 1996. He was a Turkish student about 20 years younger than her, and she proposed to him on a trip to Brazil. Just like her grandmother. Yeah. Get it, girl. And it was not on, not just her grandmother married a guy 20 years younger than her, but I think her great aunt also married a guy 20 years younger than her. Get which, it, Jones women. Yeah, seriously. They decided to elope because Attila's strict Muslim family didn't approve, and ironically, they ended up in Syracuse with Grace's father officiating the wedding. Stop it. But the marriage quickly fell apart when Attila's abusive streak surfaced. Oh. Yeah. That's that not great. Everything ended when Attila held butcher knives to Grace's throat during <gasps> no. a fight. Okay. She has no idea where he ran off to after that, and the two are still legally married to this day. Oh, shit. She can't even get a divorce from him because she doesn't know where he is. Can you, like, I feel like you should be able to, like, get a divorce after, like, a very long time of being married and them just not being around. Isn't abandonment, like, a thing? Yeah, it is. I don't know how it works, though. I don't... Yeah. I know it used to be a thing. I don't know if it is anymore. It should still be a thing? should be. Know. But again, I don't know. I have no idea. Even during this turbulent time, Grace was trying to put out new music, but nothing seems to stick. She attempted several times to make a comeback in the 90s, and that even included recording an entire album called Force of Nature with hip-hop artist Tricky, only to have the whole thing shelved after Grace and Tricky had an argument. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Finally, in 2008, she released the album Hurricane. After her previous experience with Tricky, she vowed to never make another album again. That all changed when she met producer Ivor Guest, who impressed her when he put her lyrics to music he'd created. The collaboration was a fruitful one, and together they wrote 23 tracks. Holy shit. Only nine made the final cut for Hurricane, including William's Blood, which was the only single to make any chart, but it's a damn fucking good track. I was gonna say, that is a solid tune. Yeah, and it's all about how she kind of had that rebellious streak in her like because she says in the chorus like i have the williams blood in me right right like i have this like really intense need to like act out in me and that's from it's kind of like her talking to her mom like i have the williams blood in me i have your blood in me like this is why i am the way i am it's your this i learned it from watching you yeah this is she this is the 80s anti-drug commercial yes Yes, it is. Yeah. And that was the last album we've gotten from Grace, and that was 11 years ago. Since Wait, then... Wait! Oh my god! It what? That was 11 Whoa. years ago. <laughs> Did I just make you face how old you are? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, like, I, I have recently been like, oh, that was 12 years ago, and like, 11... I'm like, oh my god. But Ugh. it seems like the early alts were not that long ago, but... They fucking are. 2008 was 11 years ago. But also, thank God, they're far behind us. Yeah, because they were weird. They They were weird. They weren't great. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Not much can be said for this year either, so whatever. Yeah, fuck this year. I'm done with it. 
Same. But anyway, 2008 was 11 years ago. Wow. And since then, she has released her autobiography, performed for Queen Elizabeth II at her Diamond Jubilee in 2012, released a documentary, and made countless appearances on recordings and in person. Even now, at nearly 70 years old, she still slaps on that face paint, wiggles into a velvet corset, and hula hoops on tables while singing her hits. That's insane. But she still takes it easy and spends her days primarily living in Jamaica. Last year, she received the Order of Jamaica from the Jamaican government, which is basically like getting the Order of the British Empire or whatever the fuck it is when you're knighted. Oh, okay. And knighted or... Dame? Damed? Damed? Damed. In the UK? Damed. When you're damed. She damed it. When you've either been knighted or damed it in the British Empire, yes. this is the equivalent okay. from Jamaica. But that is probably only rivaled by her star on the Syracuse Walk of Stars. Next to Bobcat Goldthwaite. Wait, Bobcat Goldsmiths from yeah. Syracuse? They got their stars on the same day. Also, they're, were they, are they friends? I don't know, but there are pictures of the two of them together getting their stars on the same day, and it's fucking adorable. Oh, my God. That's what I want. It's just like, Bobcat and Grace Jones being best, best friends, friends together forever. forever. The fun never ends. But seriously, I really want, like, I want, <laughs> I want a TV this to, sitcom of I want, them together no, fighting I want, crime. No, I want this to be, like... A Carmen San Diego kind of thing where Bobcat Goldthwait is constantly trying to keep up with Grace Jones because she's a super awesome fucking spy and she's just jetting off everywhere and he has to keep up with her. Yes. Let's I do would, this. I where are this, you guys? I would watch this all the fucking time. This is like the best, best kids show for adults. Netflix. Get on it. Where are you? I will get for free. You know what? Netflix. Where are you? Not Carmen San Diego. Netflix. Take it. Take, take it it's take free it's we free. aren't even gonna get mad at you we aren't even gonna get mad because i just want to see it that badly <laughs> that's all i want in my life is this fucking show and and you know what carmen san diego has a big ass hat grace jones wears a lot of weird fucking hats right she can wear all of her weird fucking hats at in this show time. as disguises we've we've there's solved nothing all wrong the with this we solved all the problems in the world guys <laughs> this is the ultimate show like yeah once take the show it, exists, take it somebody take it global warming's gonna stop trump uh, will be out yeah like we're gonna fix all the problems no more with gun this. violence no more fucking neo-nazis yeah everything's gonna because be fixed everybody's gonna be so fucking happy with this show you're welcome <laughs> it's gonna fix everything oh my god i need it yeah. that that can maybe that can be grace jones part two yeah I'd, I'd be here for that. Mm-hmm. 100%. Wow. Yes. That's the story of Grace Jones. Yeah. A lot of people, I don't think, know anything about her. No. She is a fascinating yeah. and amazing woman. Damn, yeah. Like, she, is the, she is a woman you aspire to be. Except for the gun part. Don't <laughs> try for, to kidnap. Except for burning Ivan pants. Drago. Yeah. Don't kidnap him. Don't kidnap him. I know he's cute. Just He's don't. not even that cute. I mean, you know... I am not impressed by muscly, like, no, dudes, we don't. But, I don't like a man with teen muscles. Young Dolph Lundgren was very good looking. He was. He really was. Like, good for you. Um, But also, I highly suggest just going to YouTube and listening to, like, Grace Jones talk. Because 
first of all, her accent is amazing. Yeah. It's otherworldly. You don't even know where the fuck it's from. Okay. But also she's charming as fuck. She's she she's not even like aggressive. She's just very forward and knows herself very well. So it's She's very self-assured. Yeah, and her presence is striking. So she instantly captivates your attention and yeah. instantly makes you look at her. Yeah, she's pretty amazing. Yeah, and the documentary um, Bloodlight and Bami had a lot of her in Jamaica reconnecting with her family and talking Aww. with her family. And it's very intimate and very sweet. Hmm. And it was a very good documentary. All right. Very cute to watch her with her family in Jamaica and like reliving all of these childhood memories and stuff juxtaposed against her stage performance which is fucking amazing if i ever get the chance to see grace jones i would die a happy woman all right but jesus christ she is a formidable person believe it and she does not get the respect she deserves she needs more recognition yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie again like i didn't know a lot about her and now that i've heard this i'm like well i need to listen more of her music and i need to study her more because she's clearly a woman who has Maybe she doesn't get enough notice or enough credit because she doesn't really seem to have too many, you know, ghosts in her closet. She really doesn't. I mean, she's had her moments of like, what the fuck? Of course. But for the most part, she wasn't addicted to anything. She wasn't like in and out of rehab. She didn't like... I mean, I guess maybe she almost killed somebody, but she didn't really almost kill somebody, you know? Yeah. So... For the most part, she's had, compared to others who are more publicized. Of course. She's had a pretty under-the-radar career, but her music is really good. She is a super striking woman. She's funny. She's aggressive but vulnerable. Mm -hmm. She's all these things, and she deserves so much more. Yeah. So that's your homework for this week, kids. Go out there, listen to some Grace Jones, watch uh, Conan the... Bar- er, Conan the Destroyer. Conan the Destroyer. But also Conan the Barbarian. I mean, that's we, prob- we probably arguably that. probably the better of the two, but... Yeah, but it doesn't have Grace Jones on it. But yeah. But honestly, she was like the most, the highest rated part of Conan the Destroyer. I believe so. it. I, <laughs> she's I, worth, I have no doubt. She's worth watching. In my life. Yeah. Damn. Nice. Perfect. Lovely woman. I, I really have so it. much more respect for her just because I know about her, like, more about her now. Yes. That's awesome. Yay. Yay. I'm going to go ahead and listen to some more Grace Jones. Do it. Definitely. You guys should do it, too. And, uh, yeah. I mean, aside of that, thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate you and your support and, you know, just all the love and warmth that you give us and send us. We need it. And, uh, you know, feel free to hop on down to iTunes and or I guess it's Apple Podcasts now and drop us maybe like a five star review. Tell us how great yeah. we are. iTunes yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Or does something. It? I don't know. I don't know how the Internet works anymore. I don't know. I'm an adult. Uh, <laughs> also, you can go ahead, visit our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com and go ahead and you can comment on episodes or drop us an email and you can even find all the links to our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We got them. We're doing them. There's social media. 
<laughs> that's a thing that happens. Yeah. And then go ahead and also follow the Pantheon Network because it is full of so many amazing shows about music and we are so happy to be a part of it. Yeah. And don't know how we are still a part of it. How they're like, now they like, haven't you know kicked we, us off yet. We don't know why you're here, but, but all uh, right. Pack your bags. No, you're done. They haven't done that to us. Thank God. So keep keep on keeping on with Pantheon as well yeah. because they are fantastic and we do really love yeah. and appreciate them. And if you're feeling especially generous, Generose. then you can maybe drop a few schmeckles in our bucket over on Patreon. Which you can find at patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. That's and us. you can get some sweet swag, some ringtones, some uh, bonus content yes. and all that shit. Boner content. Boner content. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. And thank you everyone to, to everyone who does give to us because you help us uh, so much. Like a lot. Sincerely. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> Very much so. So... Thank you, everyone. I think we've given you all some love and appreciations. And uh, next week, we've got a fun one planned. Oh, it's, um, it's a big one. It's a big one. It's a fun one, <laughs> though. Oh, it's a big one and think, a fun one. I think, I think you will all be pleasantly pleasanted with this. What does that yeah. even mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I still like it, though. I'm good. I'm still jet lagged. Yep. It's fine. But uh, until then... We'll see you kids next week. Indeed. Party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Bye. Bye.